There is no value in life except what you choose to place upon it, and no happiness in any place except what you bring to it yourself. Henry David Thoreau Welcome back to Self Talk. I'm Rachel Astarte. In this podcast, we're navigating the mysterious waters of the self, trying to figure out what it's all about, what we mean to ourselves and to each other. Today, we have a question from India. How do you define happiness? Well, this question can be taken in two ways. How do I define happiness personally? Or how do you define happiness, as in you, the podcast listeners, the general world at large? Of course, I can't answer for everybody, and my own personal definition would probably make this podcast episode very one-sided and very brief. So maybe it makes sense uh, to start out by remembering what we talked about in episode two, that since we are all sparks of the universe coming from the same energetic collision, i.e. the Big Bang, carrying the mystery of creation within us, I suppose happiness then would be remembering that all the time. Happiness would just be knowing that the universe has your back and that you are the universe and that everything is working in conjunction together. But that's much easier said than done. So how do we bring happiness into our ordinary lives? And as I'm saying that phrase, I'm thinking new cars and houses and no credit card debt and making enough money so your family can all go on vacation and still give to charities and give back to the world and all that. And it occurs to me that this happiness thing is actually much bigger than that. Possessions and a sense of general accomplishment contributes more to what we might call satisfaction, which we will talk about later. If you could know that you are already working in conjunction with the universe, the smaller things like possessions wouldn't be as important. And that realization might be what we call happiness. But let's talk about psychology first. Let's take the concept of baseline happiness. We all have one. It's our go-to or our set state of happiness. So no matter what happens, we return to that baseline level of contentment. You win $500 from a scratch-off ticket, and that's amazing, and you smile, and you jump around, and you treat your pals to dinner. But you're not still jumping around and footing the bill a week later. That's because you've returned to your baseline, and everyone's baseline is different. So I can hear some of you saying, my baseline is in the basement. I don't even remember the last time I was happy. Well, this is where we begin to define what happiness actually means to us. We talked about redefining labels and roles in the first episode. And the same goes for life qualifiers like happiness. So what does happiness mean to you personally? Not the general sense of what makes someone happy that you've read about or heard about and seen in others, but you, your unique self your true and highest self, the core of you. What is happiness? Is it money and clothing and vacations? Is it a sense of peace in your life? Maybe you don't know yet, and that's okay too. That's part of the adventure of being alive. We get to figure these things out when we're ready. His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama has a book about all of this that's called The Art of Happiness. In it, he posits that we all have within us a gentle quality. This innate gentleness is also called Buddha nature, which may be a phrase that you've heard of before. 
But since it's innate, we don't need to be a Buddhist or belong to any particular religion to achieve Buddha nature. It's just part of our human condition. Now, there's also balance in the universe. So necessarily, with gentleness, we also have hostility and anger. The Dalai Lama says, anger, violence, and aggression may certainly arise, but I think it's on a secondary or more superficial level. In a sense, they arise when we are frustrated in our efforts to achieve love and affection. I think this is really important, and I'm going to say it again. So the Dalai Lama says that the secondary feelings, uh, anger, violence, aggression, arise when we are frustrated in our efforts to achieve love and affection, because that's our innate nature. Although this, this darker side anger and hostility occurs naturally as balance within ourselves, our fundamental nature is gentleness. And that makes sense since we come from creation. We are open-hearted, soulful beings who get deposited into this meat suit, as my spiritual advisor likes to call it. The meat suit, by the way, is really important to our gentle soul beings, but we'll get back to that in a minute. Let's look now at happiness versus satisfaction. Simply put, Happiness is a state of bliss. It's an emotion. Satisfaction is a state of contentment, where there are no needs or wants. Happiness may diminish with a loss of something that you had, while satisfaction can diminish if you don't achieve something that you desire. And you can certainly have both happiness and satisfaction in your life, and you can certainly have one without the other. You can be satisfied and content even if you have very little. If you decide not to need or want, you can achieve happiness. You can be satisfied with your life exactly as it is, with whatever you have, and that breeds happiness. So how do we reach that balance? One of the ways we do that is to remember our connectedness. In order to practice connectedness and create more happiness and satisfaction in our life, we need to find our tribe. Find the people who hold you. It doesn't mean you have to be in sync with them all the time. There will be arguments and sadness sometimes, and that's the human condition, so that's all right. But finding your tribe means that you find those who honor you for who you are. This serves as a salve on your soul as well. So when those around you elevate your soul, you feel lifted and, well, happy. But even if you don't find your tribe, or even if you're in the process of finding them and you're not quite there yet, you can still find happiness through connectedness. We talked in the last episode about releasing automatic negative thoughts by looking at the bigger picture. If you're getting in your own way, and the voices in your head are telling you you can't do something, you can move past yourself as the focus and ask, who might you assist with your endeavors? So this thinking about others is compassion, giving back to our world family. Let's return for a second to the Dalai Lama and the art of happiness. He says, reaching out to help others may be as fundamental to our nature as communication. Humans are programmed with the capacity and purpose of bringing pleasure and joy to others. That's amazing. And I think true. We are programmed with the capacity and purpose of bringing pleasure and joy to others. That's how we're built. When we look at it this way, we can achieve happiness by reaching a state of calm and peace with ourselves and with others. 
The Dalai Lama talks also about creating a positive atmosphere. Um, we've heard that sentiment before in creating a positive atmosphere, whatever that means. But this concept is also science, which we will also talk about a little bit later. A positive atmosphere gives our lives meaning, which leads to overall happiness. We create that positive atmosphere through compassion and connectedness with others. Speaking of keeping peace with others and self, how do we find happiness in solitude? Solitude is a very important topic and one that I'll be addressing in the next episode. But as it pertains to happiness, in solitude, we can clear our minds. There's no pressure from the outside world to be or perform or live up to expectations. We can hear our inner voices distinctly. There is immense happiness that comes from that freedom. Taking a few minutes a day to check in with the self reduces our stress levels, keeps our parasympathetic nervous system activated. Parasympathetic is our rest and digest state, and the sympathetic is uh, fight or flight. So this stress reduction benefits our health. And solitude doesn't have to mean lack of action. In solitude, we can meditate, for example, certainly, but we can also perform some meditational action that is deeply meaningful to us, and that's the key. It has to be meaningful to you. It could be taking a bike ride or a hot bath. It could be writing in a journal or building and tending a small rock garden in your yard. All that matters is that you bring awareness and intention to what you're doing. I call regular intentional time alone a solitude practice. That practice allows us to tap into our joy, our happiness, over and over again. Dedicating time to ourselves creates a sacred space for our happiness to bloom and grow. So it looks like the key here is balance, the middle way or the middle path as the Taoists and Buddhists teach balancing self and other in the world. The Sufi poet Rumi also talks about balance. Your hand opens and closes, opens and closes. If it were always a fist or always stretched open, you would be paralyzed. Your deepest presence is in every small contracting and expanding, the two as beautifully balanced and coordinated as birds' wings. Here's another balance besides the self and other. Happiness itself is not a solid state. We don't have to be happy all the time. That's not the goal. Carl Jung talks about that. He says the balance of light and dark, of shadow and light, of sadness and happiness. Happiness wouldn't mean anything if it were not balanced by sadness or discontent. In fact, pursuing happiness can actually bring you less of it. When we pursue happiness, it implies that we don't already have it. In fact, happiness is all around us, all the time. And one of the reasons is this. We get to live a fully human existence. We get to experience the whole range of emotions. Non-dual spirit energy cannot do that. It's already all things at once. We're like that energy, but slowed way down, maybe by our heavy meat suit or just being in this plane of existence. If you've ever seen sound waves on a screen, you can see this in action. When you're editing an audio on a screen, you can zoom in on the sound waves and see each little blip of sound. This is like our emotions. Stretch us way out, and you can see that we have minor ups and downs, little blips of feeling. But when you back up, you can see that 
all of our emotions add up to make us fully human, a symphony of being, as it were. When we're flowing along, feeling our emotions, but not clinging to them, we get the benefit of feeling those feelings. I don't know about you, but that makes me pretty happy. We are so lucky to be fully human, to get to feel the full range of emotions. So what's the verdict on happiness? Essentially, happiness is yours to create. It's not what happens to you, but how you react to what happens to you. Unfortunate stuff happens. Pain happens. Suffering happens. But you get to choose how you want to feel about those events. You create your own baseline of happiness. In shamanism, we talk about dreaming life into reality. That is, our way of being in the world creates the world we live in. I can actually hear some eyes rolling. I'm getting a yeah, but vibe. Yeah, but I don't find joy in anything. Yeah, but I can't see anything good in my life. Yeah, it sounds great, but I don't know how to change the way I see life in order to make it happy. Well, here's the secret. You just do. You can use the same tools we talked about in the previous episode about automatic negative thoughts. Ask if the thought is serving you. If not, you can recognize it as a watchdog trying to protect you from pain. You say thank you, but you don't feed it. Feed the thought that brings you joy instead. Yeah, but that's delusional, Rachel. Life is crazy and scary and messed up. Life is crazy and scary and messed up if that is the world you are dreaming into being. Look, this is all a wild, wonderful light show we live in. There are no building blocks of matter, only quantum fields, vibrating energy, waves and particles that bounce around and change depending on how we look at them. That's called the observer effect in quantum physics, by the way. How we look at energy determines how it behaves. Because we focus on only what we can physically see and touch, we think that's all there is. But what is created had to be conceived first. That means it had to be thought first. Thought is energy with very fast vibration. So we look at Einstein's theory of relativity, which shows us that energy is the same as mass. Mass is concentrated energy. Energy isn't destroyed. It only changes form. So sometimes it becomes matter, very slow vibration, when we think of energy, we think of it as light and airy and free-moving, and matter is solid and heavy, but both of them are just energy. And what the heck does this have to do with happiness? Okay, energy. Energy is vibrating all around you, sometimes in the form of a $20 bill that fell out of your pocket, or a nasty comment from a friend, or a layoff from work, or a rainy week on your annual holiday to the Caribbean. How you interact with that energy can either make matters or energies worse, or they can shift to a higher vibration and be no big deal. The lost $20 may help a less fortunate person who finds it. A nasty friend may be having a bad day, giving you the opportunity to practice compassion and love. Being laid off can open opportunities for a better career. Rain in the Caribbean is quite warm and delightful. Go run around naked in it. You'll see what I mean. The point is, you can change your state of mind. Happiness can be created. You are the one who has the tools to do it. I'd love to hear your thoughts about happiness or whatever self-related topic is in your life experience right now. Email me at rachel at selftalkpodcast.com. 
Until then, many blessings on your path. I'm Rachel Astarte, and thank you for joining me on Self Talk. Aho.